Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. The song is Music on the Wind, and from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary, and welcome to 2023 and our eighth anniversary. Wow, wow, congratulations. I, 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 in my <laughs> memories uh, yesterday, I think it popped up. Uh, where I, where actually we had met for the first time when you and Jim had come to Nashville. 
and we oh, went out and yeah. ate and uh, I think that was about three years ago and at that time I had made mention that that was the fifth anniversary of when I had invited you to be a co-host on the show and man, yeah, man and I tell you what yeah it was the I first have... Thursday in in January of whatever day yeah eight yeah eight years ago today <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> Well, welcome to the first show of 2023, and it is going to be a terrific oh. show. We are so excited to have this gentleman joining us. Who's our first guest today? Oh, we have Wiley Gustafson of Wiley and the Wild West with us today, and there's no better way to kick off a year. <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. He's got a great new CD, and we're going to be playing music from that. And then in the second hour of the show, we're going to be visited with Backcountry Horsemen of America. And I and Randy Rasmussen is joining us. We were talking about the fact that I think this is the 10th year that Backcountry Horsemen has been with us on a Saddle Up America. So we're excited to kick off things for 2023 with Randy. And uh, I do want to mention that, the, that this past week we lost another legend in the music world, and that was Ian Tyson. So as we get into the latter part of the show, we're going to be featuring a couple of his great songs. And, uh, man, it's been a rough year, hasn't it? It has. It has. Been a rough, rough year. So hopefully things will be better. Hopefully things will be better in 2023 as we move forward. But uh, let's kind of change the mood a little bit. Right now, we're going to play a great song by Wiley. It's one called Ribbon of Darkness. And when we come back, we'll be talking with our very special guest today, Mr. Wiley Gustafson on the Campfire Cafe. darkness over me Since my true love walked out that door Tears I never cried before Ribbon of darkness over me Clouds gathering over my head They chill the day and hide the sun And shroud the night when day is done Ribbon of darkness over me Rain is falling on the meadow Where once my loving I did lie Now she is gone from the meadow Young as spring Where clouds did bloom And birds did sing Ribbon of darkness over me I could be dying 
heart could see Our mind just aches and breaks all day Come on back and take away Ribbon of darkness over me Come on back and take away The ribbon of darkness over me Welcome back to the award-winning Campfire Cafe on EquestrianLegacy.net. We just heard one of my favorite songs from Wiley and the Wild West's new album, Bunchgrass, Ribbon of Darkness, written by Gordon Lightfoot and performed by today's guest, Wiley Gustafson and his band, Wiley and the Wild West. Here's a little bit about Wiley Gustafson, an American original. The native Montanan singer-songwriter has recorded 24 albums backed by over three decades of performing around the world. He remains distinct in country music as one of the few authentic voices of the genre. Wiley's muse is the empty sprawl of his native Montana home, where he crafts the words and music that reflect his life on the fourth-generation family ranch. Having seen live performances of Wiley and his band, Wiley and the West, Wild West, several times I like this quote, Obviously, Wiley makes phenomenal music, says Minnesota State Fair director Chris Tati. But he's not just a good recording artist. He's a great performing artist. People plan to be here to see him. The best part of his performance is the reactions of people who don't know who he is. They walk by and he pulls them into the seats. He's a magnet. Not only does he draw a crowd, he keeps them there. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe, a performer who has appeared on small and large streams across the world and across this country, including over 50 times on the Grand Old Opry, WSM Radio, the Kennedy Center, and later in February, the 2023 National Cowboy Poetry Gathering in Elko. Wiley Gustafson. Welcome, Wiley. Good morning, Bobby and Gary. Great to be with you guys again. Good morning. I am so impressed after that introduction. I just yeah, me it's too. unbelievable. Our pack of lies is working. Yeah. Uh, gosh, you got a good PR guy out there, Wally, or something. Right. I guess. He'll write anything. Uh, gosh. Well, I was, you know, I mentioned something about Ian Tyson uh, uh, as we started the show, when, of course, we lost him this past week, as well as so many others this past year. But uh, Elko is back, which is exciting, and uh, yeah. you'll be performing there this year. And how many times did you perform with Ian? Boy, you know, uh, over the years, he probably got up on stage with this uh, a few times, you know, and then I think we've done a few other gatherings with Ian and uh, got to know him over the years. And, yeah, we will miss him. We'll miss his artistry. Nobody is a better song crafter for contemporary Western music, his melodies, his chord changes. Um, he's been a mentor to a lot of us songwriters, and, and uh, we'll miss him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, I had noticed, you know, so many people have paid tribute to him over the past week, and uh, I noticed that you had several photographs that you had posted with you guys together, and so uh, I expect there will be a bit of a tribute at Elko this year. The there will be, as, sure. As we, yeah, and then I'm yeah. sure there will be tributes for, for Don Edwards and back to yeah. back. You know, it's, it's been a rough year, and we're going to miss that generation, you know. And um, I'm telling you. Um, 
it's uh yeah. luckily there's there's young artists coming up that are keeping the genre going but um I, these guys that we're losing uh, they're the kind of the foundation of of mm-hmm. at least our generation of western music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i watched uh, i watched some on television the other night, and they had, they were doing a new it was a new show, and they were paying tribute to all the people that had passed away this past year. And uh, Dad Gummit, that thing went on for must have been ten minutes that we've lost so many people uh, through through the arts and 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 through the news media, and uh, yeah, it was just it was amazing. So we're looking forward to a great year. And talk about people that are coming up to carry things on. I mentioned to you earlier that I had uh, I had seen a couple of your sons in one of your uh, online YouTube videos, and yeah. that was uh, that was on Dryland only... Farm. You got two guys coming up. Yeah, I've got a young family. I got three boys coming up, and uh, you know, I I really uh, they when I, when I go out and and shoot you know nowadays we shoot a lot of our videos with with iPhones you know and so we're right. the big crews and um you know they they always come out with me cuz we're out for an afternoon or something and uh I thought heck they're right here let's put them in the video and they they love music you know and uh so we, we they had a cameo appearance in our in our video and uh they were non-union so I didn't have to pay them and, uh, <laughs> we had fun doing it <laughs> uh gosh well they're cute as but I'm telling you what are they are they musical at all? They are, yeah. They they love to sing, and you know it's one of those things where I'm not going to force them to play guitar when they get old enough. But I have a five year old and a seven year old and a fifteen year old. My fifteen year old is he plays bass, guitar, um, tinkers around on the ukulele, plays saxophone in the high school band. Wow. So he's he's musical. Uh, these two younger boys they bang on the piano every day, and I kind of let them do that and then um they'll pick up when they're big enough and their hands get a little bit bigger we'll introduce the guitar to them and and i'll introduce it to them but i'm not going to force anything on them and hopefully they'll just uh by osmosis um you know be playing music when they get a little bit older yeah but the yeah. big question well, also, is, i got go ahead ask, bobby but i gotta ask a big question so do they yodel uh, yeah, they they'll yodel. You know, we do the knock knock. Who's there? Little old lady, little old lady, who joke all the time. So and they'll tell that to me. So, um, you know, yodeling. I started when I was fourteen or fifteen when I had the natural voice break. You know, going on. So um, uh-huh. hopefully, when they're a little bit older uh, and their voice starts getting a little lower, we'll we'll uh, work on yodeling with them. I guess I gotta tell you, yodeling in harmony. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I watched that I watched that Conan YouTube video with you and it was hilarious and I loved it. But uh that little old lady who uh I yeah. tried that on Mary Kay this morning. It did not work for me. It did not work. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work for everybody. I, I think to be a yodeler you have to be born with a little bit of the uh, ability to have a natural voice break and some people aren't you know so yeah there you go yeah anyway, <laughs> anyway did did you get some of your musical influence from your dad because i also noticed that you'd kind of pay tribute to him as well and something yeah, that i saw big, big time my dad was a huge influence on my life he would uh crack out his old martin D18 guitar on the weekends. He was a rancher and a ranch veterinarian, so he worked really hard. 
Um, and then weekends he'd like to blow off a little steam through music. So we'd grab his guitar. It was usually we'd watch the Lawrence Welk show, of course, on the weekends. He loved that. Oh yeah, we all loved it. And um, you know, especially the the '60s and uh, the '60s version of Lawrence Welk. I mean, they had some great musicians and great entertainers on there. Um, and then after Lawrence Welk was over, he'd turn off the TV and get out his guitar and sing old cowboy songs to us and old folk songs, you know. He had quite a repertoire of really obscure old songs. Um, and uh, every one of us kid picked up the guitar uh, and, and started playing it after listening to him. So, you know, and, and a couple of us are professional musicians. So um, it, it, he rubbed off, rubbed off on all of us kids. Oh wow! So, how many siblings do you have? I noticed. I, have, I, I did notice that you have a sister who's the lieutenant governor of Montana. Yeah, my uh, older sister. So we have four boys and one girl in the family, and she's the second oldest. And she, um, she's been the lieutenant governor of Montana for a couple of years, doing a great job for Montana. And um, uh, have a my oldest brother is a veterinarian and uh, travels around the country and does race track. Um, veterinary work and uh wow then a brother who's a school teacher and a professional musician and he's just retired from school teaching so he'll he'll be a full-time professional musician now he usually just worked in the summers quite a bit so yeah and then uh, my brother who's a year older than me took over the family ranch up on the two medicine river and that's 60 miles from me up in northern montana and so i get to go up there and help him out quite a bit and he comes down and helps me on my ranch a little bit so Wow, quite a legacy that your parents left with these kids. That's they did very you know, impressive. I, being blessed with great parents who are loving and you know, um, it just gives you a step up right away and gives you confidence. And you know, we all know people who had loving parents and how important that is to yeah. uh, you know, uh, even in your adulthood. If you had loving parents, boy, it makes life a lot easier for you. They, to uh, set that foundation, and uh, so I, I'm doing my best to try to be a good parent to my kids, and I have a wonderful wife who's um, doing a great job with the kids too. So uh, to me, you know, the faith, my faith, and and um, you know, being a good parent is really important to me, just like it was with my parents. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome, awesome, mm-hmm. awesome, awesome. Well, we better get some more music, or I'm going to get shot. And uh, <laughs> straight up country. Straight Up Country. I'm not sure how I took this being from Nashville, but tell us a little bit about Straight Up Country from the CD Bunch Grass. Oh, I like to pick on Nashville every once in a while. You know, I, yeah, I, I know. You know, I spent a lot of time in Nashville in the 90s. I, I lived there for 10 years, had an apartment there. Um, you know, Nashville, there were certain parts of it that accepted me, like the Grand Ole Opry. And then, you know, when Country Music Television and the Nashville Network, Crook and Chase and Ralph Family Show, they, they had us on all the time. But there was the, I guess, the commercial part of Nashville, the major record labels, we were turned down. Um, by all the major record labels as far as getting a record deal. And so that kind of stuff yeah. with me. So I like to make fun of that. But, I, you know, God has a reason for everything. And I, I really, you know, I moved back to Montana at a point, and, and um, I still record in Nashville and still have all, all my music, recording musicians there. And 
there's a part of it that, uh, you know, it's just great. But there's also a part of it, I think, that's a little too commercial and has kind of sold out on country music. You listen to country music nowadays, mm-hmm. and you don't get the real rural flavor that right. is what set country right. music apart back in the 50s and 60s. So that was my beef. To me, the golden era of country music is in the 50s and 60s. And um, I, we we have a, a lot of the, our songs and our song list when we perform is from that era. So that's the era I love. I'm a, I'm a little bit prejudiced, I guess, to the older style country. Um, and, uh, you know, so like Dale Watson, and there's a few of us that like to Sing about Nashville and and uh, you know how how make a little fun. That's okay. How we miss how we miss the old style. Yeah, and we're not the only ones. There's a lot of people. A lot of our fans have that same feeling. So that's where I get to sing it. My fans understand what I mean. With the people who make a living out of Nashville, they might be insulted a little bit, but that's okay. We got to insult a few. Well, I'm just, I was just teasing <laughs> you about that. But anyway, this is a great song. It's from the CD Bunchgrass, and we'll be back in just a moment to talk. Or with Wiley on the Campfire Cafe. Just give me that old school bar. Sing along. You 
Give me that old school bar stool, straight up country music. A little Bakersfield backbeat, oh, that's what I like. Gustafson is with us. It's from his brand new, very um, wonderfully reviewed album, Bunch Grass. And Wiley, you know, we were talking, you were talking a little bit ago about Ian and what a great songwriter. But you know, you are a great songwriter. Just the opening line in that song, give me an old school bar stool. It's like, oh my gosh, what a great lyric. <laughs> Well, thank you. Yeah, no, and songwriting's always been important to me. Um, and, you know, Ian was, was a great mentor in terms of writing melodies and chord changes. I mean, and there's I have a, a few people that I really appreciate for songwriting and cross-generational, too. You know, um, I listen to... I listen to lots of different styles of music, pop music, you know, from early Beatles and, and stuff like that. So I, I've always appreciated good songwriters and songs that last through the decades, you know, um, and I've always tried to be a songwriter that writes something that will last a little while, maybe a generation or two anyway. Um, Saving Country Music um, website gave this album a phenomenal review, and uh, and I think there are other reviews coming in. Um, how how have you how have you felt about the way this album is getting the recognition that you so valiantly deserve? Well, how do you feel you. about I, it? It's a thrill to have a good review, you know. And this is our twenty fourth album, I think, and um, you know so. A lot of times in, with cowboy, this genre, we don't get a lot of support. We don't have the major labels with a publicity team sending out thousands of CDs to writers. So when, whenever we do get a review or somebody to actually listen to it, sit down and go through all, all the songs on the album, it's a good feeling. And then if we get a positive review, it's great, you know, and, um, that's kind of what we shoot for as, or what I shoot for as a songwriter and every little bit helps, every review helps. And especially like saving country music is one of the bigger, um, like alt country blogs. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. so to get a review from them, um, it's a big feather in our cap. And, and again, we, we love the cowboy audience and the equestrian audience, but when we can get out, go beyond that a little bit, it helps mm -hmm. us, you know, obviously helps us keep going. Um, that's what we live off of is um, selling CDs and getting performances from, from people knowing about us. And so, yeah, we like good reviews. Well, and it helps the whole genre as well. Um, they make the comment, like in the third paragraph, yet with the way Western music, cowboys, and authenticity are making their way back in country music. And I think there was another sentence later on about this kind of 
notoriety, beginning to have some recognition for what we have all been fans of, you know, since, I mean, I met you back in the 90s. I mean, I've been following this for when Don Edwards had, you know, he they were starting their careers. <laughs> right, know? right. And, and it's like, okay, finally, maybe we're making some headway. <laughs> well, everything is cyclical, and I can tell you right now, it's yeah, on, yeah. An upward because of Yellowstone, and um, mm-hmm. I think that's a big – I can't I, – I don't know all the reasons why it's coming back. I do know the main reason is is once people listen to Western music and its authenticity, that is what's missing in with yeah. music in general nowadays. I mean, people don't get any authenticity from a lot of the music that, that's out there. They can't. They, you know, that's – that's not what's selling right now, but when they hear it and find this realness to it that they can, can't get anywhere else, it's drawn people in. And I think we are on an up, uphill um, climb with the popularity of our music again. It always goes in you know, 10 or 15-year cycles. Um, and I think we're headed up again because of Yellowstone and a few other things. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. about when how important about- faith Go ahead, Bobby. Go ahead, Gary. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to talk, say when you talk about cyclical, uh, I love watching old westerns. And so I've got, it must be four, five, or six different channels that I've got on my television where I can see old westerns. And everybody, I was watching Dean Martin in a couple of westerns the other day, and, uh, and Frank Sinatra in a couple of westerns. Everybody was involved in the western movie period and uh and in the same way with the music you know the popularity of the western music and the big bands that were playing western music and it's probably because of yellowstone but there's so many different movies that are coming out now that are based around western themes and uh you know maybe tyler sheridan should be given a big bunch of credit for 1883 and 1923 Mm -hmm. in Yellowstone, Mm -hmm. but er Mm -hmm. everybody's kind of going that way. And if you listen to uh, some of the big artists that are strictly country, like Miranda Lambert and some of the other folks, uh, they've all got a little Western thing going right now. So that's getting picked Mm -hmm. up everywhere. I think that's going to help tremendously. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we did an hour and a half. Foundationally, country music and Western music is—it's all there, you know. And I think the other thing that people were missing is sometimes there's a, you know, with my album, it was real simple production and um, mm-hmm. didn't have—I never used, uh, you know, you can go into the studio and change the pitch of singers' voices. Now I didn't use any of that, so it sounds like yeah. a real singer. Doesn't sound like a robot, mm-hmm. and that's what people mm-hmm. are missing. And I think our our genre has all the foundational stuff that that um, people were missing. They don't, they don't get anymore. So, yeah, there is a lot of reasons that it's coming back and will come back. It always does. Um, good music always rises to the top. And uh, uh, so I, th- I think our time is, is coming again. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. Speaking of time coming again, mm-hmm. I t- talked about this a while ago. It's Dryland Farm, and this the, the YouTube video is cool. So if you want to see Wiley's kids, two of those kids, they're on the video, and they, they actually they stole the show for me to watch them. <laughs> but, of course, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Dryland Farm. 
Uh, yeah, so Dryland Farm is an old Butch Hancock song, um, uh, and so he's an Austin songwriter, and, and I've always appreciated him as a songwriter. But um, I, I come from Dryland Farm country, and boy, it's been a couple dry years here, and whenever I listen to that song in the last year or two, it's really hit home, and I thought, you know, now it's time to record this song again. And uh, I have a lot of neighbors that just love it. It it uh, it uh, really strikes a chord with the dryland farmer who's struggling right now for a lot of reasons. Um, so I, I thought it was a good time to champion the dryland farmers again and, uh, you know, uh, maybe bring an awareness to where our food comes from. And, um, you know, the, the middle America, the breadbasket of the world kind of gets overlooked a lot. So I thought, heck, let's do a farmer song. There we go. Well, this is a great one. It's a lot of fun. It's called Dryland Farm. It's from the CD Bunchgrass. We'll be back. There's a thunderstorm building up over on the county line. All the neighboring farms got rain, but I never get a drop on mine. You might think a little summer breeze could do nobody harm. But it burns like a blazing blowtorch when you're living on a dry land farm. When the west wind comes a blowing, well, the dust comes blowing too. And I must say, a mouthful is more than I can chew. I swallowed a gallon for every acre, and Lord knows how it hurt. But it ain't as bad as the trouble I had breaking up that dry land dirt. Living on a dry land farm. Living on a dryland farm Yeah, things are cool for every fool But the man on the dryland farm Now if I had my wicked way In this equally wicked world I'd build a garden of Eden for every boy and girl. But I'd take them city dwellers, I'd grab them by the arm, stick them out in the middle of the desert, and make them work on a dry land farm. Living on a dry land farm, living on a dry land farm. Yeah, things are cool for every fool, but the man on the dry land farm. guest and our host Gary Holt this is Campfire Cafe and that was Living on a Dry Land Farm um, written by um, uh, Butch Hancock and from the newest album of Wiley's um, Bunchgrass. Um, Wiley are you with us? Yep I'm with you. Okay I just wanted to be sure. 
Um, so let's see. Um, you are going to be in Elko, I see, on your schedule, and then you are heading for Europe. Tell us what's coming up. Yeah, so um, we're excited about Elko, and I think this will probably be our 20th year, uh, probably over 20 years now at, at Elko. Um, and, um, uh, you know, that's always a, a great event. If you have not been to Elko, the National Cowboy Poetry and Music Gathering in Nevada, northern Nevada, first week in February, usually, and uh, you've got to make plans to go there because it's uh, you don't even have to be a fan of cowboy music and poetry to really appreciate it out there. It's a gathering of people that celebrate the Western lifestyle, um, and if you go there, you will not regret it because you'll you'll have met a bunch of friends that you and uh, acquaintances that you know. You, it, it feels it's a you have such a good feeling after you leave that event. So I encourage everybody if you haven't been to Elko, make sure you go. And then uh, so we'll be doing that. And then after that, we're going to Europe. Um, we've been trying to get this tour finished we booked it actually in 2019 and then COVID uh-huh. hit uh two days before we were supposed to leave uh uh-huh. in 2020 i think it was the middle of march uh <laughs> yep. the uh french shut down and euro disney closed one of our dates was in euro disney and so uh we finally in 2023 you know uh three years later we we get to go over there and finish this tour we had plane tickets that were bought and luckily we can still use them uh so we're excited to go over to france you know you go to europe and they really appreciate traditional music and country music um and they appreciate songwriting it's it's like they almost appreciate traditional music more than americans so we always love it when we go over there when we do a show in europe people will come from germany and um you know mm-hmm. uh, scandinavia and england uh, just to see our show um, because they don't get enough of it over there. So we like being over there doing our music, and uh, it's always a great reception, so we're looking forward to that. That's so exciting. And then, you, um, then you're back um, in March. You're back, and you're doing a Celtic Cowboy event in Great Falls. How fun. <laughs> yeah, that's during uh, – Charlie Russell week. We, we have a great ah. big auction called the Charlie Russell Art Auction. Uh, Charlie Russell is uh, from our country. You know, um, all the pictures that you see that Charlie Russell painted are from where I grew up. You know, I know all the landmarks that he painted, and um, so he's a hero around here, and obviously in the Western art world, he's a hero. So we have a, every spring, we have a big art auction, so uh, that's what we're playing on a weekend night uh, down at one of the local breweries in uh, Great Falls for that. And then we've got some, some other stuff going um, um, that hasn't been finalized yet, but um, Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to announce that in the next few weeks. Um, we got uh, a major online streaming service looking at doing a story on on me, um, the Yahoo Yodel and that story. So that hasn't been finalized yet, but hopefully we'll be able to announce that in the next few weeks. Um, so that'll 
um, be a film which, if it does happen, will take a few weeks to film in the summer. That's fantastic. Yeah. You talked a little bit earlier about how important faith is um, to you and your family, and you have a song on this album, Bunchgrass, that just took my breath away the first time I heard it. I try not to multitask when a new album arrives, um, no matter who it's from, especially when it's from someone like Wiley Gustafson. I put it on. Thank you for CDs. I'm still a CD girl. Um, I put it on, and I just sit and listen. I don't even look at the notes. I don't look at the label cover. I don't do anything. I just listen. And then I hit play, and I put everything in front of me. And this song, I must have replayed this song four or five times. Um, it's fabulous. We're going to play Water of the Jordan. Do you want to give us a little bit of backstory, and then Gary's going to go ahead and put it on? Sure. Thank you for, for noticing that song. My faith is really important uh, to me and my you know, especially as I get a little bit of maturity in my life, you know, I realize mm-hmm. how important my faith is, especially in this day and age. It seems like um, we faith has been a little bit persecuted, maybe, you know, um, mm-hmm. over the last few mm-hmm. years. And and so it's more important to me than ever to make sure that that um, I sing about my faith, you know, and w- what it means to me, uh, you know, and I'm one of several generations before me that that believed in the gospel, and um, you know I'm just one more generation that believes in it. Uh, but I think there's people out there when I do a song of faith that it really strikes a chord with them. And also as a songwriter, I try to write about my faith in a real way, and so that's what this where this song comes from. It it comes from a real place. Okay, and I know Gary is standing by. Let's go ahead and listen to Water of the Jordan. Lord, what have I to offer you but a sinner's wretched heart? I could make you a promise just to watch it fall apart Or I could send a broken prayer For a day of precious time Because weakness in a man Is made perfect in your design So dip my toes in the water of the Jordan Lord, show me Dip my toes in the water of the Jordan, wash my sins away. There was a boy named David, a shepherd from the dust, who rose to realms of glory and fell a slave to lust. Wounded king left wanting How could he be made whole? But for your grace and mercy That saves the darkened soul So dip my toes in the water of the Jordan Lord, show me the way Dip my toes Water of the Jordan, wash my sins away. 
Dip my toes in the water of the Jordan Lord, show me the way Dip my toes in the water of the Jordan Wash my sins away Dip my toes in the water of the Jordan Lord, show me the way Dip my toes in the water of the Jordan Wash my sins away Dip my toes in the water of the Jordan Dip my toes in the water and enjoy Wash my sins away Water of the Jordan, written and performed by Wiley Gustafson and Wiley in the Wild West. And Wiley, I'm just going to check. Are you still there? Yes, I am. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Gary's having a little bit of a technical glitch on his side, but he's able to hear us and and spin the music when we ask for it. Um, But I don't know that we're going to hear his voice with us again today, Wiley, so I just wanted to be sure you were still there. (laughs) Uh, Yep, I'm here. Um, okay, so you were, uh, when I go through your long, long line of, um, you know, things that you've done, it's so interesting that your family and your home was highlighted in um, uh, a, a, a commercial that ran during the Super Bowl. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah, it actually ran in the Super Bowl and has probably been one of the most famous or most watched commercials of all time. It's the Dodge Ram commercial. It originally aired uh, 13 years ago, I think, in 2010 um, during the Super Bowl, and what made it different was that it was a two-minute commercial. Paul Harvey, the great voice from our youth um, that had radio shows every day, um, he was the voice of this commercial so maybe that reminds people of the commercial but it, it's uh the title of the commercial was god made a farmer and so I, I thought when we were when they came to take photos of my family we had no idea what it was for and and when we saw where these photos ended up we were so thankful uh it was such a blessing to end up in a commercial that promotes agriculture uh, promotes the farmer and the rancher, which that commercial did better than any other commercial I've ever seen. And they still air this commercial, um, and it's so it's you know most commercials have a shelf life of maybe three months or six months at the most. This commercial is still being aired, still being enjoyed and watched and loved by the whole world, really. So uh, we were we were lucky to be a part of that. And I come from a fourth generation ranching family. Um, our our culture and, and what we do is a labor of love. We don't do it for money. We we do it because we want to pass it on to the next generation. And that too is what was uh, the theme of this commercial: how farming is uh, not only important to America for the food, but um, for preserving our our landscape of the West. So yeah, that was a great commercial. You've had so many different experiences come your way over all these years. It's um, it's really fun to review and and look at everything you've done, <laughs> and your ranching too. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's a, it, it makes a busy life, but a wonderful life. But the ranching and the music actually play off of each other. You know, I, I get sick of the ranch, and, you know, in the summer we're putting up hay and we're really busy, really busy all year. And so sometimes it's kind of a relief to get out on the road and sing music a little bit. But then after we're out on the road, I want to get back to the ranch and see the horses and my family and do the farm work sure. again. You know, it's just a lifestyle yeah. that I love and grew up with and I'm lucky enough to be able to keep on doing um, so, yeah. The um, the next song that we're going to play, um, At My Window. You want to talk a little bit about that? And then Gary will put it on. Sure. Yeah, you know, Towns Van Zandt, one of my favorite songwriters, you know, and I didn't really get into Towns Van Zandt until maybe 9 or 10 or 15 years ago. Um, he's one of those guys that you discover because he hasn't had a lot of radio airplay or commercial success, but as a songwriter, you begin to hear who the masters are, and he, he is one of the masters of Western and uh, country songwriting and folk songwriting. I mean, and his music is cross-generational, um, and he is loved by so many people, and he's passed away now, um, but had, while mm-hmm. he was alive, um, he, he wrote some great songs, um, and so I thought, it, it, uh, this song kept popping up on my iPhone, um, and you know, some songs you just can't get away from, uh, their melody, and they end up in your head, and this was one of those songs that that I, I think, uh, maybe not at the first listen, that it really sinks into you, but if you listen to it a few times and listen to what the lyrics are about, it's one of those songs that you can't stop listening to. So, At My Window, um, uh, the great Towns Van Zandt, the songwriter, and um, I don't think a lot of people have covered this, so I thought, you know, we'll cover it. And it fits into the, uh, you know, our Western audience will love this song. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's a song about the landscape and love. And, yeah. So here, here it is, At My Window. At my window Watching the sun go Hoping the stars know It's time to shine Daydreams Aloft on dark wings Soft as the sun streams At day's decline Living is laughing Dying says nothing at all Baby and I are lying here Watching the evening fall Slightly upon our faces, leaves gentle traces upon our sleep. 
Living is laughing Dying says nothing at all Baby and I are lying here Watching the evening fall So they chart these things, and um, I, I was 
looking at the album one day on Amazon to make sure it was there, and um, it said uh, number one um, uh, with new <laughs> albums. And for a band like us, that's a huge, huge deal. I mean, I, we've never been number one before in anything, you know. Uh, uh, so, so it was a a surprise, I guess, and, and we're happy to to be able to say that we were number one even for a couple of days on Amazon. Uh, and with a new album, <laughs> uh, it's always good to know that people are listening to it and downloading it. And I think that's where it became number one was on the downloads. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our fans and newer fans are getting um, their music that way. And we had a, a couple articles on the album that helped, uh, I think, spur that to number one. So that was good. Mhm mhm so um and they can go to your website which is wiley it is com, or just do a yahoo search for wiley mm-hmm. in the west or a google search and uh, we'll come up and uh it has our tour on there uh information about us if you want to little, learn a little bit more about us and uh links to where you can get our music so yeah well, we thank you so much for being with us. We're going to um, uh, wrap the show with uh, Birch Creek. Tell us a little bit about that, and then yeah. Gary will put it on, and we'll and we'll say, you know, Yahoo, till we see you again. <laughs> Great. Well, Birch Creek is one of the uh, creeks that runs through um, our ranch up in uh, northern Montana, and um, it's. Uh, we have beautiful country here. If you look to the east every morning, the, the Rocky Mountains are lit up by the sun um, to the east of us, and we're out on the high plains, and all these we have these rivers that are full of cottonwood trees that run through the, the, the land of grass, you know, where the buffalo spent a lot of time uh, back in the day. This is great grass country, great wide-open country. And to, up against the mountains, it hasn't been farmed, so it's beautiful. We have these big, huge pastures. And so Birch Creek runs through, runs out of the, the Rocky Mountain front and eventually meets the Marias River, which meets the Missouri River. But Birch Creek is where I grew up and have had a lot of experiences there. And uh, so it's kind of a, got a little bit of humor in it. Um, but it's about life uh, up in northern Montana. Well, thank you again, and we'll catch you down the trail. And here is Birch Creek.
potatoes and I think I'm gonna eat. with our special guest, Randy Rasmussen of Backcountry Horsemen. Stay tuned. Okay, Randy, are you with us? (laughs) Heard about a land where the cowboys came. Take a picture on the wall from a magazine Got a renegade heart beating in his chest Gonna beg till I borrow his way out west And a sea of stage on and on Gonna learn the way of a native son Gonna turn the Who see him and he's right. 
myself at the mic, Bobby Jean Bell, and host Gary Holt, who is acting as the spinning music DJ. Today, we are so glad that you joined us, and we welcome Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America. And Randy, I think this is the 10th anniversary of a partnership between Equestrian Legacy Radio and Backcountry Horsemen. Is that right? That's my understanding, and what a great relationship and great anniversary. We're really thrilled at Backcountry Horsemen of America to have been your partner and guest for uh, coming on to a decade now. So, yeah, there's, that's a great anniversary we should all celebrate. Yeah, 2023. Now, let's see, Backcountry Horsemen, do you have an important anniversary coming up as well? Yeah, we do, and thanks for asking, Bobby. Uh, this year marks our 50th year, a half a century of existence as America's premier service organization, keeping trails open for everybody. So our organization began in the Flathead Valley of Montana in 1973 when a bunch of, you know, horsemen got around a campfire and said, something's got to be done about these trails we're losing and they're growing in and they're not being taken care of. So fast forward 50 years and that the, the foresight of those four people that met around the campfire have now, you know, generated a national organization that's in 31 states with over 200 chapters of volunteers um, and over 12,000 members keeping trails open. So it's really an amazing legacy, uh, you know, a half a century of, you know, the, the millions of dollars of in-kind labor. I call it sweat equity that our partners <laughs> put in and the relationships they have you know, all for the right reasons, right? Because we want to enjoy riding. We don't want to have to turn back. We want to look forward to going to places and not have the trails, you know, completely a mess and, and impassable. So I, I think it's a great anniversary. And so we're going to celebrate in a big way this April in the Flathead Valley of Montana during our national board meeting because 50 years is, is you know, a long time. And we've got to take credit where credit's due and really toot our own horn about all the great service work our men and women do. Yes. What are some of the, um, let's see, oftentimes at the beginning of a year, you know, organizations set goals or they look at their strategic plan. And now that you have the 50 years behind you, what are some of the uh, things on your your bucket list that you would like to get accomplished in the near future and, and further out perhaps? Well, that's a good question. I think, you know, and both our strategic plan, which we're revising um, you know, big emphasis on youth, right? We've been talking about that mm -hmm. on this show for quite some time is mm -hmm. how do we replace the aging folks in our membership, our volunteers? Um, you know, if we've been around for 50 years, though, it tells you something that people are, are joining the ranks. Maybe it's later in life for a lot of folks. You know, a lot of our volunteers are retirees, but an amazing amount of folks are just our career professionals, too, that, you know, find the joy in volunteering that want to work with, you know, people uh, like our, you know, just friendly people to get out there and have fun on the trails. And so if we've been around for 50 years, it tells you that we, you know, we haven't died off. And in fact, we're, as I mentioned, we've grown stronger and larger, but still the issue of how do we get younger blood infused into this organization? How do we catch people at an early age to have an interest, you know, just in, 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 in horse care and, and, you know, and it can't always just be rural kids, but that's usually, of course, where it is through 4-H, et cetera, all the good standard ways we know of how we came about uh, being horse people. But, you know, there's, there's got to be more we can do to appeal to a broader audience because we, 
I guess it's fair to say horseback use is, I wouldn't say declining, but it could if the future, you know, next several decades turns out and that we're not making these outreaches. And it, this is a problem shared by our other partners too, you know, in, in the mm-hmm. horse realm. It's not just unique to Backcountry Horsemen of America. Uh, so that's going to be a big emphasis point for us. So just what do we do? Mm-hmm. We have some pilot programs. We do youth scholarships for packing clinics, you know, in Montana and California and, you know, pay people's even flight to get to those places and get someone who's, when I say young, I'm thinking, you know, 18 to 30 kind of thing mm-hmm. and get mm-hmm. them trained up where they could even have potentially a career in, in packing in the backcountry and wilderness. Um, but we need to scale that up in a big way if, if we're really going to make a huge dent in what we perceive as declining numbers in the future. Mm-hmm. You have a great website. I always enjoy um, going through the website before you come on, and it's very, real simple, bcha. Uh, dot org, and you talk about family values. And I think as you're as you're talking about finding youth or growing youth. Um, when families get involved and youth get get involved, sort of from the get go, you know, um, you kind of you kind of raise up the volunteers that will be um, volunteering through their youth and then perhaps into adulthood. And I think that's um, you know, talk talk a little bit about um, horse uh, equestrian lifestyle and and how great that is for families. Maybe is that a good question for you, Randy? <laughs> Well, sure. I mean, even though I'm a public land person and, and work on partnerships and policy, the kind of dry stuff, but I can tell you some fun stuff about the partnerships we're doing. But no, I mean, I think your listeners are going to know very well what it is to have an equestrian lifestyle. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It, it's, in, you know, interwoven into what you do, given the care of your animals on a daily basis or if you're boarding them, you know, when you go out there and do things. But when you have free time and you do things, especially with family bonding and what you want to do, you know, horse care is, is a wonderful thing to do, even if you're just still, you know, uh, you know, in the barn or doing things or in, in the round pen. But getting out on trails, that's a whole other thing that's a great bonding experience, right? I mean, to, to share that, you know, not just with your animal and that relationship, but then with your kids or your spouse or significant other, it's, 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 it's something pretty magical. I'm sure everyone would agree that getting out on the trail getting into nature with people you care about, you know, and being on horseback is, uh, you know, just the best way to spend your free time. One of the last things you want to do, however, is where, where we come in is have trails that are blocked by, you know, fallen trees and debris and, and, or agency policies that are, you know, basically restricting horseback use. You don't want to even have to worry about those things when you're out there with your friends and family. So um, no, it's an appropriate question. Um, you know, but I think your audience and you, everyone knows exactly intuitively what that means, though, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Probably so. Um, um, is there, was there a particular topic you wanted to be sure to cover with us today? I, I have some other questions, but I also know that you often come on with some, something very important that you want to share. Was, was there something, Randy, that we want to make sure you get to talk about? <laughs> well, I was going to talk, no, and, and you know, Gary and I were talking yesterday, and, and you know, it's like we can do a, something like that. In fact, I'd l- rather hear from you, Bobby, and, and answer questions too. Um, but I do want to make an announcement in addition to the 50th anniversary for Backcountry Horsemen of America this year. Um, just an interesting thing on the side that Congress designated a new national historic trail. Now, there's only, you know, 20 odd national historic trails that Congress has designated. 
We know about national scenic trails like the Pacific Crest, Appalachian, Continental Divide. There's nine national scenic trails that Congress has designated. But just a couple weeks ago, in the waning days of the last Congress, this is one that people who know about stagecoach routes and, you know, uh, you know horseshoes in the history, you're going to recognize the Butterfield Overland, uh, you know, National Historic Trail. It's, it's now going to be, you know, managed as a National Historic Trail. There's, it's, it's, so this is a quick overview. It was the first transcontinental mail system by Stagecoach. Um, mm-hmm. Back, I guess, in the 18, late 1850s and early 60s. And so that route is going to be commemorized here. It's memorialized, if you will, much like other national scenic and historic trails will be. There'll be an interpretation center at various points along uh, the route uh, where people can go indoors and, and outdoors and see segments of the trail or even wagon ruts. Um, you know, but this is a route that extends, well, I think, remember correctly here. It left from St. Louis, Missouri, and Memphis, Tennessee, and it went all the way west through Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, mm-hmm. all the way to San Francisco. So it's huge. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Congress rarely doles out these national historic designations points to the you know significance of this time in, in, in American history, uh, the use of the, the stagecoach service. Um, and, you know, and of course, horses are front and center in, in all this, right? So mm-hmm, I just thought it was mm-hmm. interesting to, to mention this to you all that, you know, there are little things that are happening that are, that are interesting and that at some point when you hear about the Butterfield Overland National Historic Trail, you'll say, oh, yeah, I heard about that. And you'll invariably mm-hmm. cross routes or signs when you're driving that you'll see more and more about it in the near future. So I just wanted to pass that on that there's interesting little That's, things going on in Congress that, that yeah. are kind of cool. That's very exciting. Of course, um, stagecoach, you know, up until that time, if you wanted to get west, especially to the gold fields, you know, you had to go in the in the in the boat around the around the horn, get up on the other side, or you had to do overland um, travel called, you know, pulled by oxen and you got only so many miles a day and it took, you know, it took a long time. You don't really um, the coming of the stage, it just changed you you had to be able to afford it, but you could get to the West so much faster, and um, of course, great for for mail and for delivery of of packages, but delivery of people as well. I mean, it it really changed um, how people were gave another way for how people could get um, get to the West. So yeah, I had not seen anything about that. That's very exciting. That's very exciting. Um, and it goes through your state, the, New Mexico too. So you'll yeah, and it goes through that, Mexico. Sure. You do have to go through New Mexico to get to the West. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I guess you, I guess you could skirt it, but why would you want to? <laughs> Um, I see on your Facebook page, um, I always like to look at both your the website and the Facebook page, um, you have listed, you had a newsletter that went out in December that kind of, um, you talk about um, generating funding for now legacy trail grants. Is that um, something that's part of what we were just talking about or is this some another piece that's happening? A completely different thing, but another positive development from Congress from a little over a year ago, where sort of the infrastructure bill, I don't know if you remember that the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was passed, but buried in that among the many things was what's called the Legacy Roads and Trails Program for the U.S. Forest Service. So this affects 
national forests throughout the nation. I guess that's redundant, but it, it nonetheless, what this is, and the, the piece that we're advertising is the trails aspect of billions of dollars available for grants to nonprofit entities like Backcountry Horsemen of America and all of our partners uh, for maintaining trails and upgrading trails. This one's a little bit different in terms of it has to have a value in terms of improving watershed health. But what I mean by watershed health is, of course, a lot of our national forests are the, the tops of watersheds. A lot of municipality cities, you know, have as their drinking water is water from a national forest. Um, and so this is ways to improve the water quality and the watershed health by reducing erosion and, and more soil getting into the water or other pollutants, um, improving habitat wetlands for fisheries. So that's also a recreational value and a, and a habit, a wildlife value of, of improving things for fisheries. But doing trail work that restores trails that maybe are in the wrong place because they adversely impact fisheries or, uh, you know, uh, something that has, you know, it's too mucky, it's too wet all the time. And so there's a lot of money going towards either relocating trails to better spots where they're drier and let you can ride more during the season, um, or just, you know, after fires have gone through and decimated a forest, like we've seen in so many places in this country, this is doing trail maintenance and tread work that would minimize the erosion that's going to happen after a storm or a fire, uh, and improve the quality of the habitat, thereby also improving the recreational experience by having, you know, trails that are maintained. So, yeah, millions of dollars going to that for the next five years, and we are helping to evaluate as Backcountry Horsemen of America those grant applications from nonprofit, um, you know, groups and other partners. So we have a seat at the That's table. That's terrific. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I don't want to go into too many more details unless you, you're interested, sure. but it's, Money is flowing from Congress for these kinds of things we've been asking for for a long time. That's really terrific. So if a, if a chapter, one of your national chapters, knew that they had a need, the New Mexico chapter recognizes that it really has a need, would they apply for the grant through the national organization, or would they um, get a grant writer and apply directly for the funds? How Great would that... question. Um, they well the applications go to American Trails. That's one of our nonprofit partners. That is kind okay. of the umbrella of all trail organizations across the country. Everything from hiking to to motorcycling and ATV. It's you know everyone who uses trails. So the applications will go to American Trails. But the really neat thing is that Backcountry Horsemen of America has announced this far and wide within our chapters to say, hey, if you don't have a grant writer, you know where you live, we have a the help desk from Backcountry Horse America. Wow. We have may, many volunteers across the country that are professional grant writers who will help uh-huh. our chapters and states submit applications and make sure that they're competitive, so to speak, because it's so much money. There's lots of people applying. We want to give them a leg up, and, and we have some great volunteers that are helping with the help desk to write those grant applications, and we'll be doing that for the next five years is the plan. Wow, and that's another need for volunteers, people that have that kind of background. So you don't have to know how to work a chainsaw um, to cut down trees. You can have, you know, grant writing in your tool belt (laughs) to be able to volunteer. That's fascinating. (laughs) Um, You know, Randy, we're going to take, yeah, we're going to take a short uh, listen to a wonderful song by our good friend Carlos Washington, 
we're going to listen to Wild Horses. And Randy, just stay tuned. And we're going to come back and chat a little bit more in just a moment. Here's Wild Horses. From a phone booth in Cheyenne, I made a promise to Diane. No more rodeos, I've gone my last go round. The same promise that I made in San Antonio and Santa Fe. But tonight I settled up and let her die. Someday Wild horses just stay wild In her heart is all I'll break Wild horses keep dragging me away She watched me drive around certain blocks Getting courage up to stop To make her one more promise that I can't keep The way I love the rodeo I guess I should let her go Before I hurt her more than she loves me Wild horses keep dragging me And I'll lose more than I'm gonna win someday Wild horses just stay wild And her heart is all I'll break Wild horses keep dragging me away
Carlos Washington, Wild Horses, and we're back on Saddle Up America with our special guest today, Randy Rasmussen. Randy, um, I'm looking at some other successes in 2022 from your Facebook page. Um, I see no budget cuts on your watch. You want to talk a little bit about um, what happened in 22? Well, sure. And this is, again, is the thing with Congress and um, the work that we and our partners have been doing for years to protect trails. And so, so the good news is for, oh, probably the sixth year, if not longer running, um, Congress is not cutting back on the trail budgets for the federal agencies that we, you know, know and care about in terms of uh, our work. Well, I guess we care for all of them, of course, but I'm talking the U.S. Forest Service, the National Park Service, the Bureau of Land Management, and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Um, and in fact, since that update you saw on our, on our Facebook page, Bobby, uh, the final numbers are in uh, at, at the end of the year bill, spending bill that Congress did. In fact, trails got an increase across the board based mm-hmm. on the lobbying efforts that we're a small part of because we're part of a, a big coalition that has been really doing this job for, well, for decades. But we have a voice and a good say in how, you know, these requests to Congress are shaped. And so with the partnership for the National Trail System and our friends at American Hiking Society taking the lead, we consistently see increases in the budgets over the years for trails because not just what the things that we've been talking about, but trails do so many things about uh, the health benefits of getting people outdoors and, and trails are, of course, the arteries into our public lands, if you will, and, and how, you know, trail use and, and stuff leads to a, a healthier lifestyle than sitting at home, you know, uh, playing video games, mm-hmm. but also the economic benefits of outdoor recreation and people traveling. Think of how much we spend, you know, trailering to a new place and, you know, and, and camping and, and, and horseback, you know, getting food and supplies and all the things we do sure. before we head out on the trail anywhere. Um, those economic benefits are being better documented to the point that we're talking not just about recreation and desires, but all these other benefits of outdoor recreation that members of Congress are saying, we get it. We get it. Yeah. We don't want to underfund that. In fact, there's a great return on investment for funding trails. So yeah, this year, again, we saw increases in the trail budgets for the agents, the federal agencies um, that we've been asking for so long to keep, keep going, but we're still not there yet, but no backsliding. Mm -hmm. In fact, increases in trail budgets, which is something that Mm -hmm. is, is hard, you know, is some, you know, something that we don't hear a lot these days about Congress doing the right thing. Right. Yeah, that's why we need to we need to get this word out more. <laughs> um, and I recall over the you know past couple of years through the COVID and um, well, we're still, my mom just was diagnosed with COVID at 99 degrees at 99 years of age, and so we're mm. really not you know past COVID. But um, we did. I do recall that over the last since 2020, um, trails have seen an increase of visitation as people, you know, realize that if they got outside, you didn't have to be isolated, you know, within indoors, that um, the outdoors were a great um, sort of antidote to to what we were dealing with, um, with COVID. And I think, as I recall, that, that trails saw a really increase in use um, during these last couple of years, or am I just having a, you know, a, a crazy memory that doesn't really exist. <laughs> no, no, Bobby, you're absolutely right. <laughs> at every level, at the at the city, county, 
state and national level, trails have seen a huge increase in use during the COVID, uh, you know, epidemic, pandemic. And, you know, it's, it's not, it doesn't look like it's slowing down much either. I think people, once they got mm-hmm. outdoors, like you said, the antidote for in getting outdoors and, and whatnot and away from other people or crowded situations, I think a lot of people realize this is nice. I like this. I'm going to keep doing this and make it part of my lifestyle. So yeah, I've seen lots of statistics from the agencies, but everyone will tell you, yes, we've seen a tremendous increase in trail use uh, since the, the COVID you know, started, and it continues to go with gangbusters. So that is yet another reason uh, you know, to, to, for Congress to appropriately fund trails, uh, for states, for local governments to better fund trails and find more partners like backcountry horsemen and women that can help keep the trails open for everybody because – uh, there's no slowing down. Uh, trails are more popular now than ever. Mm-hmm. And one of the side effects, of course, of that has been the e-bike use. And I know that we've talked about that before. Is there any kind of an update you'd like to share about e-bikes? Well, sure. So e-bikes are electric motorized bicycles. I'm sure most people have either heard about them, seen them, or maybe even owned them. We have horsemen folks that even own the e-bikes. Um, and they don't ride them on the same trails they would their horses. They're on maybe forest roads or other places uh, in large part. But electric motorized bikes still concern us. They have many benefits for folks that have, uh, you know, aren't able to operate, uh, you, know, a, you know, a regular mountain bike, let's say, or people that are aging to the point and maybe don't or, you know, don't have all the time to do horseback riding and horse care. There's lots of benefits, but the concern we continue to have is the speed that these e-bikes are capable of. And, you know, you you put a modest biker on an e-bike and they become, you know, they go the speeds of a pro racer. They have the potential to go speeds on trails like a pro racing bike, um, you know, mountain biker would, would do. And for a lot of people, because of the increased popularity of trails, the increased popularity of electric bikes, we're seeing more and more problems. Um, so we've, you know, I've told the agencies that we work with at the federal level, hey, you know, let's proceed cautiously and decide, make decisions about where e-bike use is going to be allowed by getting everybody involved and in deciding what trails are appropriate and which ones are not. And, and clearly the ones that, you know, people on horseback use by and large are not going to be, in our opinion, safe for trails, uh, for, sh- for shared use with e-bikes and horses. Because of that speed differential, and anyone who's ever been scared by an, an oncoming mountain bike, you know, is going to be even more reluctant to go on a trail if they know there's even the potential for faster-moving electric bikes. Mm-hmm. And then the mm-hmm. way our horse is going to react, of course, when that happens. So we've notched a few victories at the local level of get, pushing back on agencies like the Forest Service when they were all gung-ho about adding electric bikes to all the multiple-use trails. This, of course, is outside of wilderness because you can't have bikes, you know, legally in wilderness. But nonetheless, it's hundreds and hundreds of miles of trails that some national forests are just saying, hey, what's wrong with this? Let's just allow e-bikes to go everywhere on these trails. And we're the ones that consistently have to stand up and say, no, and here's why. The safety mm-hmm. issues, the speed differential. But mm-hmm. uh, to answer your question better, Bobby, yeah, we've been – We've been educating our own folks and doing webinars and preparing our chapters for when they enter in discussions about uh, a proposal to use have e-bikes on their favorite trails. 
maybe if the trails they don't use, they say we support this because we don't see the potential of a conflict. And if, if the e-bikes are going to be over here, then we're okay with that because we go over mm-hmm. here instead. But mm-hmm. trying to find those solutions um, at a broad level, it's, it's hard, but we're trying to push the agencies to get the Forest Service or the BLM or others to come up with better criteria and best management practices for where they allow e-bike use because for the various reasons, we've just seen a lot of bad work by some of the agencies who were gung-ho and thought this was great until we had to step in and, and put a wrench in the works, the spokes, let's say. Got it. Put a wrench yeah. in the spokes. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. a constant battle, and I'll tell you, in, in the end of the day, we're probably not going to win all these. I know we're not going to win, and we're going we're gonna to have to give up some serious ground and not go those places anymore if we have that concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, challenging times ahead, but um, an organization that is uh, made up of such talented people and really what you do to um, to lobby and to get this word out is just really, really important. And um, we are delighted to have you with us today, Randy, and celebrating the kicking off our 10th year partnership with Backcountry Horsemen of America. I know that if we could get Gary's voice here, he'd be saying the same thing we always look forward to having you or a member of your organization with us the first thursday of every month and i'm sure that we will have um we'll either hear from you or a member of the group again next month february can't believe we're already you know 2023 feels like it's already moving along pretty darn fast doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) yes yes So um, do you have a parting, any kind of a parting uh, thought that you'd like to share or um, give the websites and such again, whatever you'd like? Yeah, just for folks who are curious about Backcountry Horsemen of America, please go to our website, bcha.org, and look at the, on that first page, about halfway down, there's a chapter locator. There's a map, and you can kind of find out what the chapter near you is doing and as we talked about earlier, you don't have to be, uh, you know, certified in cross-cut saw use. You don't have to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, an outstanding, you know, horseback rider. There are a lot of these work parties and, and events that we do are just fun get-togethers, um, and people with all kinds of skill sets are welcome and needed. So um, it's just a big, it's it's a group, you know, our volunteers doing the right thing for the right reasons and having fun outdoors. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you, Randy. We're delighted that you were with us, and we will say see you down the trail till next month. And we're going to take a little listen to a wonderful song. Uh, let's see, what are we playing next is going to be Ian Tyson, Leaving Cheyenne. We'll talk to you next month, Randy. Thanks for the opportunity. Great to speak with you, and, and all uh, good, good luck to Gary here, too. <laughs> And the water in the drought 
Their tails are all matted and their backs are all wrong. Goodbye, old pain. I'm leading shine. Goodbye, old pain. I'm a leading shine. I lead and shine. I'm going to Montana. Goodbye, old pain. I'm a leading shine. Now old Bill Jones had two daughters and a son. The son went to Denver and the daughters went wrong. His wife, she got killed in a pool pipe. But still he keeps a thing from morning till night. Goodbye, old thing. I'm a leaving shine. When I die, take my saddle from the wall, put it on the pony, I lead him out of his stall, tie my bones to his back, head our faces towards the west. We'll ride the prairie that we love the best. Ride around, okay. I'm a leading shine. Tyson, leaving Cheyenne, you're listening to Saddle Up America. That was um, right before, of course, Campfire Cafe. If you were with us both hours, we sure thank you for listening on equestrianlegacy.net. And um, we are just delighted to have you with us. And if you are, um, you listen regularly, let's take a moment to thank you for listening either live or uh, via podcast through Apple 
iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're all over um, streaming platforms to make it easy for you to find great uh, music and interview programs. Um, Let's see. Let's give a little final uh, thought for the day as we enter 2023. I like to look at um, quotes by people um, like Thomas Jefferson, and I like this one. I like the dreams of the future better than the history of the past. So let's just kind of keep looking forward in 2023. And again, we are just delighted that you joined our guest today, uh, Wiley Gustafson of Wiley and the Wild West and Randy Rasmussen of Backcountry Horsemen of America. And on behalf of Gary Holt and myself, Bobby Jean Bell, we really thank you for riding along with us today. Susie Bogus is going to wrap today's show with one of Ian Tyson's most famous and beloved songs, Someday Soon. We'll see you next week. Have a blessed week. Someday soon, going with him. Someday soon.